1: Welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to talk about Hitler's relationship and the Nazi party's relationship with the German civil service. Obviously in previous episodes uh, where we've been talking about the inner workings of the Nazi state, uh, we've looked at the chaos that Hitler brought to the running of government. Um, The dilemma that the Nazis faced was that they wanted to be able to control the levers of state to Nazify um, a supposedly impartial but highly conservative, with a small c, um, government system, but doing that so without excessively damaging it and causing disruption. Now, we know that they do cause disruption by uh, allowing um, unqualified, unvetted and um, amateur um, Nazi Party uh, figures uh, into the, the workings of state. I often cite the, the, the Ribbentrop uh, example, and you can catch that in various previous podcasts I've done on this. But um, the relationship between the uh, the Nazis and the civil service was a complicated and subtle one. Um, the party found itself um, coming up against the German civil service in uh, 1933 which was almost a wholly alien um, system of power and knowledge to the party. The party worked on a spirit of the Fuhrer principle, of dynamism, of radical action, and uh, was held together by uh, extremely uh, broad and populist notions of what was possible. The civil service doesn't operate like that at all. The National Civil Service, uh, as it was um, referred to, um, was an organization with relatively small numbers. The state civil services, such as the, the the lander civil services such as those in Prussia and Bavaria, were much, much bigger. The civil servants senior civil servants had been imposed for long periods of time, several decades, and there were long standing traditions unspoken conventions of uh, competence and attention to detail and precision that guided uh, that guided uh, these structures of government, very much like um, a British uh, civil service is portrayed as being, where permanence and inflexibility supposedly trump the transitory and uh, impulsive nature of politicians and their own political agendas. However, despite the fact that civil servants seemed to crave continuity and gradualism, there were a great many that were sympathetic towards the Nazis. Between 1930 and 33, the party had made all sorts of overtures to the civil service, and these efforts had been you know, quite positively received. Um, amongst a group who were uh, very demoralised through um, the austerity years of the Brüning government, Heinrich Brüning had introduced um, uh, civil service pay cuts. And overall, the pride and the esteem of the German civil service was greatly diminished by 1933. Civil servants um, who had been in post for several decades, and remember the Kaiserreich, um, were loyal to the Kaiser, or had been loyal to the Kaiser, resented the establishment of, of um, the Weimar Republic and saw party politics as an irrelevance and a distraction from the, the workings of state. Um, they believed that they were the guardians of the best interests of the state and represented what it was to be German and represented the best interests of um, the German people. And within these uh, kind of ideas, within this world view, are ideas that were potentially sympathetic towards Nazism. This idea of there being uh, a way of serving Germany that transcended, that rose above the uh, inter-Nicene disputes of party politics, that put the idea of nation and people first. Well, this was um, one of Hitler's key themes when he talked about sweeping away the parties, throwing the parties out of Germany. This chimed with certain civil servants who'd always seen themselves as being um, loyal to Germany and to the German people beyond the the bickering and squabbling of um, the the parties. Selfish sectional interests that managed to feud amongst each other were profoundly anti-patriotic and yet the civil service had to bear them silently. Parliamentary democracy in 1918 removed from the civil service some of the power um, they had exercised. And after 1918, the civil service became gradually more politicised as party membership became a key factor in chances for advancement and promotion. So long before Hitler, the civil service were becoming accustomed to partisanship within a previously supposedly impartial um, administration. The civil service, I'd argue, had never been impartial. Certainly there were um, less party politics uh, before 1914 than there were after 1918, but there were certain key institutional and ideological biases towards a brand of Prussian-Junker conservatism, the kind of Bismarck worldview, if you will. An authoritarian figure like Hitler, they hoped, would liberate the civil service from partisanship. There would be no parties to um, pick or choose between. Um, Many had views that a dictator might possibly be a beneficial thing for Germany uh, in this regard. One thing that's always important to bear in mind is when we look at the various interest groups uh, within Nazi Germany, such as the civil Sa- service, the legal profession, and the medical profession, that did rather well out of Nazism, and were delighted when Hitler came to power, is none of these uh, groups uh, likely would have envisaged the end years of Nazism. None of them had any inkling uh, about genocide, or uh, it's a highly doubtful they did anyway. So when they were envisaging um the uh, envisaging nazism as people do when they uh, have authoritarian thoughts they were looking at all sorts of positives that they thought a dictatorship could bring to germany as many people did in 1933 uh, senior civil servants assumed that conservative figures within um hitler's cabinet would control hitler and the two of the nazis who were appointed in January 1933, and something rather like the Kaiserreich would, res- be, would be restored. Uh, instead, an uh, extremely radical new form of government that the civil service had not encountered before um, was uh, able to uh, gain a foothold in uh, January and have fully consolidated its power by the following August. When the uh, nature of Nazism began to unfold and people uh, in the civil service began to realise that they weren't getting a reheated version of uh, Wilhelmine Germany, there were civil servants who went through all manner of justifying thoughts and who um, went through all manner of kind of moral acrobatics. In order to um, give their decisions and their support for the regime some kind of legitimacy, Um, civil servants decided. uh, There were some civil servants who decided that it was best to uh, stay in their positions, irrespective of how distasteful some of the laws being passed they thought were, um, imagining that this they would have a moderating effect on the uh, party that uh, a civil servant working for the Nazi uh, government would be able to gradually slow down the advancement of policy and that things would be even worse if they left because all, would, all that would happen is that if a senior civil servant left their post they would be replaced not by um, an equivalent uh, but by a Nazi party member. Noakes and Pridham right. This dilemma is starkly revealed in the attitude of two leading diplomats to the Nazi takeover. Bernhard von Bülow, state secretary in the German foreign ministry until his death in 1936, and a highly civilised diplomat, chose to stay in office in the hope of keeping German diplomacy out of the hands of the Nazis and preventing extreme policies which might jeopardise German security. Yet he merely made the Nazis' task of persuading other countries to come to terms with the new regime that much easier, by giving it an aura of respectability and the appearance of continuity. Shortly before his death, he justified his attitude. One can't leave one's country in the lurch because it has a bad government. The German ambassador to the United States, Friedrich von Pritzvitz, on the other hand, resigned his post as early as the 6th of March, 1933. He explained to a friend, One must only put oneself at the disposal of a government for which certain basic values of humanity and justice are sacred coming to terms within human principles in order to avoid something allegedly worse that leads to disaster. So it was a difficulty for all civil servants who were faced with this moral dilemma. Some obviously weren't and embraced the regime wholeheartedly. But deciding whether to leave or whether to go and which of these decisions would be honourable and which of these decisions would actually lead to even worse circumstances was uh, something that was incredibly complex. The civil service, being largely middle class, was suffused by this um, bourgeois German notion of civic patriotism, of being able to contribute towards the functioning of the country, and that this being a, not just a career, but a, a public good. German civil servants very often came from a law background or a, law, uh, a background in the study of law. And therefore, they saw themselves as having a legal obligation to pass the legislation that was handed down to them. Um, The idea that um, government legislation uh, from the Reich Chancellery could be compared to previous statutes and evaluated as to its legality, as often you get in uh, the, the British civil service, civil servants are... Um, frequently telling ministers what they can and cannot do based on their, their understanding of the law. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is entirely different. The law was what the Reich Chancellery said it was, and the German civil servant had a duty to follow it. The state as embodied by the Fuhrer was, after all, an expression of the uh, German people's will and this meant that um, the community in which all individuals in Germany were part of um, would be uh, granted rights which were in line with the workings of the state itself. It goes without saying that this attitude greatly helped the Nazis, having a civil service that believed that because a law was passed by the state, it was legitimate because of the the state itself, uh, meant that there was very little challenge and attempt to revise laws uh, when they were handed down from the Reich chancellery. There was therefore a great deal of conformity in the German bureaucracy, and it made laws that uh, ordinarily would have appeared monstrous, um, and indeed were monstrous, such as the T4 action um, proposed by Philip Bula. Just a simple bureaucratic process to enact. Obviously we have to take into account the mitigating factors here, in the fact that uh, uh, by the time of the, the the T4 action, a one-party state with its own system of repression and its own apparatus of state control, existed, and civil servants um, not only were simply going through the mechanistic processes of passing law; many of them uh, approved of um, these laws, but also they were trapped within um, a surveillance police state uh, dictatorship. The Nazis, oddly enough, found the uh, legalistic processes of the German um, civil service something that um, made them feel suspicious. Hitler was particularly suspicious of uh, a system that worked on uh, rational and uh, formulaic procedures where there were legal norms. Hitler didn't want to be constrained by legal norms, even those That helped him. Uh, Hitler believed that he operated uh, outside the bureaucratic uh, world of process in a separate sphere of kind of racial morality, uh, and that he was beholden not to uh, any uh, set of processes or laws, but really to um, nature and history. Uh, This is the level that uh, Hitler believed he operated on, and he thought that he was simply the kind of mouthpiece of the uh, the German people. He was there to uh, transmit uh, their uh, ideas, values, beliefs, fears, and he was the, the embodiment of the German people's will. Uh, of course, these are all, all fantasy notions, but it shows you why Hitler looked with uh, fear at the workings of the civil service, much in the same way that he was suspicious of experts and people with, well, sort of, uh, accumulations of knowledge. The procedural civil service that looked with derision upon incompetence, which was rife within the Nazi party, um, that um, disavowed corruption, which was also rife within the party, um looked uh, was a strange and uncomfortable bedfellow for uh, the nazi regime the first blow to the civil service came uh, between in march and april uh, 1933 uh, during the period described as the revolution from below um, where nazification uh, began to occur in state institutions the uh, men with years of skill, perhaps in some cases decades of skill, experience and knowledge, were fired from their posts and replaced by Nazis. As these uh, purges happened uh, throughout the states uh, and happened to the Lander government, often it was local parties with little direction from Hitler and the senior leadership of the Nazi party. The Nazis at the high level, at the the top level, were keen to hang on to as many knowledgeable and skilled civil servants as possible but the um, radicalism of the grassroots meant that um, many, in many uh, cases these decisions were taken and the Nazi leadership was largely unaware of it. And the fact that this kind of chaotic process could take place in January 1933 tells us once again an awful lot about the Nazi regime, that it was based on initiative, it was based on uh, dynamism, It was based on conscious, ceaseless action, whether that action was uh, remotely um, advisable or not. That, in, in some ways, about Nazism ceases to be the point. Hitler gave his blessing, in some ways, to Nazis who wanted to make changes off their own bat and essentially said, Um, Real leaders lead, they don't ask. So uh, if you're the leader of a local party um, somewhere in Germany and you want to do something, uh, take action, because that's what uh, leadership in the Nazi movement is all about. The politicisation of the civil service happened in a different way as well. Uh, Noakes and Pridham again write, At the same time, during 1933, a large number of SA commissars moved into government offices at various levels, uh, with the excuse that they were making sure that the civil servants were acting in accordance with the principles of the new regime. In the first few months, the government did little to prevent this upheaval, partly because it favoured the purging of its political opponents from their offices, but partly because it sometimes found it difficult to control the SA and the local party organisations. The government was often confronted uh, with local fait accompli, the, car- the various party organisations all tended to go, their, um, to go their own way. Yet this arbitrary behaviour by the local party organisations and the continual interference by various commissars threatened to alienate the civil service and undermine the administrative effectiveness essential for the stabilising of the new order. So this desire to purge the civil service of political undesirables and the desire for stability were, once again, at, at loggerheads with one another. And Hitler, being the uh, type of leader who liked to remove himself from debates, to be distant and aloof from them, and to hope that they would sort themselves out and go away, uh, was unable to intervene and resolve these um, conflicting uh, imperatives and come up with a compromise position or make a decision one way or another. In the On the 7th of April 1933, the Law for the Restoration of the Professional Civil Service uh, was uh, instituted. Um, the law was an attempt by the government to um, exploit um, long-standing grievances on the political right during the Weimar years that the left had infiltrated the bureaucracy with unqualified, um, unqualified politicised figures who were there simply uh, to uh, ride the gravy train and to pass through uh, illegitimate socialist laws. Contained within the, uh, the law of April uh, 1933 was obviously the uh, clause to purge Jews from the civil service. The numbers of civil servants uh, purged were in fact relatively small, uh, though there were more uh, lost in Prussia. 12.5% of the 1,663 administrative grade civil servants in Prussia um, were affected uh, by the law, and 15.5% were affected by clauses. Uh, 5 and 6, which allowed for the transfer um, out of a department of uh, an undesirable civil servant or the um, forced early retirement. There was a surprising degree of complacency as well about these changes. Um, There is here minutes of a, a meeting on the 25th of April 1933 regarding the new Purge law Um, And it says, There was no question of justice being in acute danger. It did not say much for the judges if they felt concerned about such a law. Civil servants who somewhere sometime had made some human error were not to be touched by the law. Uh, He, Goering particularly wished to point out the dangers to which the law could lead um, under confined local circumstances where everybody more or less knew everybody else. A strong personality might be able to overcome any personal hostility he may have or possible feelings of revenge. Someone who has grumbled at us sometime, somewhere may be a very capable civil servant and need not be damned just like that, said Goering. The, ca- um, the, ca- uh, the carrying out of law in the States was the pro- responsibility of governments there. The question of how far the parties could be involved depended on the circumstances, but it was very important that only such people should take part in the preparations for the decisions who were absolutely decent characters and not themselves aspirants for the new vacancies. National socialists were not immune from human weakness. A law was being passed for Prussia that every informer who could not absolutely prove the truth of his statements should be punished with the full force of the law. So here we have the rather implausible picture of Goering really arguing in favour of some sort of checks and balances in the civil service purge. I think the way to reconcile this with everything else we know about Goering is to acknowledge that here was somebody for whom consistency meant absolutely nothing, for um, expediency... Um, was uh, his kind of uh, go-to concept. And here is somebody who would say whatever it took in any given situation uh, in order to make sure his own views and his own wants prevailed. Somebody who, um, during the first years of the concentration camps, uh, at some points argued in favour of moderation, even in favour of actual uh, possible amnesty. But when uh, the Führer decided that that was not what was required, suddenly shifted in the other direction. He was a a consummate politician and was able to um, hang any principles um, and suspend any moderate notions when it suited him. So I think we have to take what he's saying here um, with an enormous amount of scepticism. Now in a later podcast we'll look at what happens after the uh, first couple of years of uh, Hitler's coordination of the civil service and look at when the relationship between the civil service and the regime begins to sour um, and the growing resentment of the Nazis um, that develops amongst senior civil servants. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you found this useful and enjoyable, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Do remember that uh, if you are passing by iTunes and you want to give us a good review, that's greatly appreciated. And also, you can give us a comment on our Facebook page, the Explaining History Facebook page. It would be great to see you there and join in the conversation. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye.